Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbha. Some interesting things I believe will be coming up tonight. I hope you find them interesting. Basically at this point in the Bhagavat Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami is pointing out the nature of Krishna's Swarup Shakti and he's giving us evidences as to why the Lord's internal potency is uh, is the primary potency not only in his personal form but also in his abode where he lives and also in his associates. Shamsaki, can you close that door that I didn't close properly? Thank you. <clears throat> so he's in his in the prior annotators up to this point he's he's shown us that the Lord's abode is fully transcendental, just like his own form. It's, it's constituted of his internal potency and it's not influenced in any way which is the characteristics of the internal potency by um, his external energy, the material energy specifically the, the gunas of the material energy goodness, passion and ignorance so in the last discussion we went over the Tripad Vibhuti which is a nomenclature which is used to delineate that spiritual realm and and segregate it from the material realm. It's just a nomenclature, but it gives us an insight into the nature and the difference between what's the Lord's material world, where we reside now, and what's his spiritual world. And the Ekapod Vibhuti, vibhuti means energy, so his, that energy, the material energy, is characterized by one primary characteristic, mortality. Everything here comes to an end. That's the material world. Now we... The Lord has three primary energies. His internal potency is Swarup Shakti. His external potency, the material world, which is, well, it's dead batter. It has some, some of the different potencies within it appear to be alive, like fire. You would think, well, fire is a living thing but it's just a characteristic of of that element that it it can put off light and heat just like the characteristic of a magnet although a magnet we know a magnet is not alive still it it has characteristics that make it appear to bring life to other things like if you put a magnet under a you know, under a glass table and there's iron filings on the top, you can make artwork. So 
it appears to be alive, but it really has no life of its own, no independent. So that's the nature of the material energy. The material energy can come to life when there is an agent, an agent puts it into action. So in the material world, the primary agent that begins that action is, is the Purusha avatars, three manifestations of the Supreme Lord, Karnadakshai Vishnu, who's that who is that amazing form of the Supreme Lord from whom all the various universes emanate, then the Lord also enters into each universe again as Garbhodakshai Vishnu, and just like Karnadakshai Vishnu is lying down on a Kaju ocean from which all the material universes come through his outward energy, his prana, so the Garbhadakshai Vishnu, this second manifestation of the Purusha avatar, enters into each individual universe and fills it, fills the bottom half with water, and he lays in that universal shell. From him, there's a stem, a lotus stem grows from his navel, and he gives birth to the first living entity within the universe, Brahma. So he's considered both the mother and the father of Brahma. Uh, he, he, he does both functions. And then the third Purusha avatar is the Purusha avatar that permeates everything within the material universe. Uh, he that Purusha avatar resides in the heart of every living entity and is the basis upon which all the material elements are, are, are the energy that supports the material elements within the material universe. So sometimes it's stated he's like that the gravitational force that keeps the planets in space or, you know, the force that makes the electrons and whatever they use and, you know, nano, nano, no, <laughs> you know, the, the, the protons and the photons or whatever they say running around the, in the molecules. He's that internal force. So that's, uh, you know, that's, Kashiro Dakshai Vishnu. He permeates the universes and and he so that's the Lord's the Lord has his internal Swarup Shakti and he has his external material energy, which is basically dead matter. And then there's us. We're the Jiva Shakti. We're more like his internal Swarup Shakti than we are like his external material energy. We're also eternal. We also have the ability to have knowledge and we can certainly experience emotion. Now, when we put our emotional experience 
into contact with the external energy, it's, it's not always good for us. Things don't flow. We're, we're actually sometimes working against our own best interest in putting our energy into the Lord's external dead matter. It's not that much like us. His internal potency, that's a lot like us. Eternal, full of knowledge, full of bliss. We have that capability as his marginal potency. But when we take our energy, our eternity, our knowledge, and our bliss, and we apply it to to the material energy in, in a uh, desire to enjoy on that plane, then the ananda that we're looking for it can't it can't be located there there's there's no ananda in something that dies maybe some temporary pleasure but it's 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 contrary to our eternal nature so if we're eternal if we're full of knowledge and we're full of bliss and we apply our energy to the to a world of, of dead matter, we're not going to be satisfied. So the tree pod the the ekapod vibhuti, the one dimensional aspect of the Lord's energies is characterized primarily by um, mortality, death. And the Tripad Vibhuti is like his Swarup Shakti, his internal potency, his very nature is eternal and which we could call immortal. It's not characterized by by any time that it could um, Does the word Vibhuti have an agent? Yeah. Vibhuti. So what are the other two? You said eternal? Eternal. Eternal characteristic. And uh, and because it's eternal, because it's, well, in the context of Tripad Vibhuti, it's more used, it's immortal. doesn't come to an end. And because it doesn't come to an end, that realm has no fear. Fearlessness. And because it is fearless and uh, doesn't come to an end, immortal, then it's um, it's all auspicious. 
an auspicious atmosphere. So Tripad Vibhuti. So that was, we touched, we began that discussion from the last Anucheta and we left off with the Anucheta itself and the primary evident evidence were three verses from the Padma Purana instead of the Srimad Bhagavatam, but three verses from the Padma Purana, threefold dimension dimensionality of being, Tripod, immortality, fearlessness, and all auspicious worship of the divine is inherent in the Lord's own abode. Whereas onefold dimension dimension dimensionality Pada, mortal existence only, devoid of the awareness and bliss of the real, is inherent here in this world. The dimension of threefold being, Tripad Vibhuti, is eternal, but the dimension of onefold being, Pada Vibhuti, is ephemeral. The eternal auspicious form of the Lord exists in the transcendental abode. That form is infallible, eternal, divine, and the reservoir of ever newly manifested youth. In this form, he forever enjoys his opulences, Sri, Bhu, and Ishvari. And then Jiva goes on, let's look at the Purusha Sukta prayers of Sri Brahma uh, in light of this Padma Purana explanation. He is Lord of the immortal and of fearlessness and is beyond mortality and food. O Brahmana, this glory of the Supreme Person is therefore difficult to comprehend. And we ended up saying, why food? Well, there's no sustenance in the material realm without some food. Even if you take it to the highest level of a yogi, the yogi has to take in something in order to to sustain himself. Now some yogis can live on very little. And we have the example of Dhruva Maharaj. Dhruva Maharaj, he wanted a benediction and even as a young boy, not even, what do they say, not even five years old, he went to the forest, took instruction from Narada Muni, went to the forest, and became a yogi and concentrated his mind on God. And in order to increase his concentration, uh, he performed more and more austerity. And the austerity in the beginning was he... He ate very little. Then he cut his eating down to practically nothing. And then he quit eating altogether. And he'd only take in a little air and a little water. And then he just, at the end, he just took took in air to sustain himself. And we have like the example of Hiranyakasipu. Hiranyakasipu, 
he also, in order to attain powers and to get a boon, just like Druva wanted a boon, he wanted some, wanted to re- receive some benefit from his austerity. Uh, similarly, um, Hiranyakasipu wanted to receive some benefit, and he performed great austerities. And he was living off the substance in his marrow only. He actually was standing on one leg on an anthill performing such severe austerities that he was not consuming anything from outside. He was eating himself from inside. But he was eating. So the point I'm trying to make is in the material world, to sustain life, there has to be eating. And that's why this is coming up here in the, in the verse, in the sloka. Why would they say eating? Well, because without eating, there's no life. The life force of everyone's body is, is everybody's body is sustained by some kind of life force. You could not live in the material world except at the cost of another. Jiva, Jiva, Sajivanam. You can't do it. Well, what about Hiranyakasipu? He wasn't taking from somebody else. He, he was taking from himself. So the verses, the first verses are Lord Shiva talking to Parvati. And then, of course, the Purusha Sukta, which is the prayers of Lord Brahma to the universal manifestation. So the interesting point in these verses is that the word loka within the verses can mean only a can mean not only a place like a world, planet, or region, but a person as well. So the description given here can be applied both to the spiritual region, or and to its inhabitants. So an equality is being made as far as the, the, an equality, being equal, is being made according to the quality of both the abode of the Lord and his associates, his eternal associates, both of his internal potency. And the... Uh, of course, the Purusha Sukta uh, verses are are also using the same terminology, tripod and um, pada. Are they quoted from the Rig Veda or Padma Purana in this? Okay, you said something something last time about the, the Rig Veda. Okay. Yeah, the Rig Veda. The universal Lord, who is endowed with unlimited heads, eyes, and feet, after having encompassed the entire universe, surpasses the cosmic creation by a distance of ten fingers. So that's the third verse? That's another verse that's used as a supporting verse for the Bhagavatam verse being quoted in this Anucheta. This is from the, now we come to the section uh, from the Rig Veda. It goes like this. 
this visible universe is, and here again, this is again a, a, a reconciliation of something coming directly from the Veda and something coming from the Padma Purana and something being stated in the Bhagavatam. All saying the same thing and Jiva's just pointing out, now let's look at these and you'll see these aren't speaking of different things. They're speaking of the same thing. This visible universe is the form of the Virat Purusha. Whatever existed in the past or will exist in the future is also the form of the universal Lord. He is the Lord of immortality and beyond the law of karma, which influences the living being within the universe. All that is seen here is his greatness. And then, beyond it, is that Purusha, the oldest. So what's being said here in the Rig Veda is everything that we observe within the material universe is actually, it's, it's a manifestation of the form of the Lord. Um, it's his energy. And beyond that display of Virat Rupa, and an energetic form within the universal elements is the Purusha himself. He's distinct from all that energy which manifests the universe. All universes and beings are but one dimension, Pada, of him. They're only one dimension of him. The dimension of the material energy. The dimension that is characterized by mortality. His threefold dimensionality, which we're not seeing, Tripod, is immortal, Amrita, and in the sky. Beyond our, the Rig Vedas kind of say it's, it's, it's bigger than you can imagine. It's divine. It's immortal and it's divine. It's uh, in the sky. It's where the sky gods are. You say in the sky or beyond the sky? It says in the sky in this translation. But it's beyond... It's in the sky meaning that it's beyond... It's yes, it's super subtle and it's beyond the, the ekapod. The Lord's threefold dimensionality of transcendental being is established beyond the material world, whereas his onefold dimensionality is manifested in this material world. Then again, the living being here tread on the path of consumption, a pleasurable and painful experience, or the non-consumption of liberation. Yet the all-pervading Lord is beyond both. So now we're going to go on. This is a, this is a longer anacheta, and this point, which could be cons would could be confusing. Uh, regarding non-consumption, because we've just been talking about consumption and everything lives by consumption. But there is an aspect of higher consciousness. And what Jiva does is he brings in another conception where all the pods, ekapod and tree pod, are within the universe. So we'll get to that.
these three characteristics of Vaikuntha, Amrita, Abhaya, and Keshva are discussed in great detail in chapter 9 of the second canto, which describes Sri Brahma's vision of Vaikuntha and was discussed in detail in Anucheta 10. In this world, everyone is afraid of death, even Sri Brahma. So now the second section of this section, this Anucheta, has been broken up into subsections for us. And here, Jiva Goswami begins with another verse uh, from the Purusha Sukta section of the Srimad Bhagavatam, second canto. The wise know that all living beings exist in the feet of the Purusha, the maintainer of all Stitipat, whereas immortality, auspiciousness, and fearlessness are established in that paramount abode lying beyond the three-headed material nature. Here the three-headed is referring to the three modes of material nature. Next, Jiva continues, next an alternative, alternate explanation of the four padas or divisions as the universal arrangement of the three planetary systems is given. So now Jiva is going to say, all right, we've looked at it in one way. We've looked at it in a way where everything within the universal shell is the mortal world. But we can also look within the mortal, sh- within the universal shell to different divisions of the planetary systems and we can see a counterpart of the same idea, microcosm within. And we can also see within the material universe a way that these same terminologies can be applied. So he first begins by <coughs> quoting another verse from the second canto. The three padas lie beyond the three general divisions of planets, tree loki, and additionally are achieved by brahmacharis, vanaprastas, and sannyasis respectively. The others, the householders, who do not take up the formidable vow of celibacy, remain within the tree loki, bu buvar swa. What's all this mean? So we talked last time a little about the fact that there's 14 divisions of planetary systems with the Earth right in the middle, right? Then there's four planets above, Mahaloka, Janaloka, or is it Tapaloka? And then Satya, correct. Mahaloka, I don't know which one comes next. We'll, we'll come to that. Those are above the 14 divisions. Now those, Mahaloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka, and Satyaloka, are being looked at in... Now Jeeva is saying, well, let's look within the universe and we can see a counterpart of 
the Lord's energy even within a universe. And we can look to those upper planetary systems as a manifestation of the Lord's tripod, vibhuti. Because the people that live there are what? They're basically deathless within the context of the material world. Deathless being that they their whole objective is, is that of liberation. So those that reside in the 14 divisions of planetary systems are mostly householders. The destinations of the brahmacharis and the sannyasis, the yogis, is above that realm. So Jiva goes on, the indeclinable cha and, which begins the phrase, and additionally implies all three padas combined as a subject of that phrase. In reality, the three padas exist beyond the material world, but to explain the fourth pada, which is materially constructed, the three padas are also said to exist within the cosmos. In the highest stratum of the universe, above the tree Loki, and the three general divisions of planets. This same point is also indicated in the Rig Mantra by the word Puna. What Jeeva is saying here, in so many words, is you, as, as you, can, you can see this and apply this also within the context of the material universe. Some people have a lot hard time conceiving of what be, exists beyond a universal manifestation. So let's look at it in the context, another context. Jeeva saying, look at it in a different context, and you see the same thing. You see the same tripod vibhuti in the highest planetary systems where the residents there only have one desire. Their desire is what? Liberation. So, in the world of man, they follow the vows of brahmachari uh, and sannyas and vanaprastha. And based on those vows of celibacy, they take up residence at the end of their life within the 14 planetary systems. They then take up residence in these three higher planetary systems working towards uh, Brahmaloka, Satyaloka. And on Satyaloka, when the universe comes to an end, then what happens? Brahma and everybody residing with him attain the Vaikuntha realm. But even while here in the material realm, they live for what, well, it's the highest and longest lifetime, isn't it? They live for the same duration as Brahma's life. And the only ones that, that might have difficulty living for the whole duration may 
they could fall down at the end of Brahma's day when there's a when there's a fire. The whole universe is burned up, right? At the end of Brahma's day, there's a temporary dissolution. And the residents of Mahaloka it said what? They have to be able to go up to the higher planetary systems or they will not be able to endure the heat of the fire of devastation, temporary devastation. You say, wow, it's, it sounds like that the only way to get out of the material universe is celibacy. That's what it's... And this is really what what is stressed you have to give up material desire and the main material desire is is sex life in, in household life. Luckily we have Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Otherwise the Varn Ashram system does demand that one elevate themselves life after life to the point of completely renouncing material life in sannyas or brahmachari or vanaprastha and attaining these higher planetary systems and then becoming liberated. Lord Chaitanya, well, he kind of just, he set all that aside. And the Bhagavatam sets all that aside in the very beginning also. So we'll continue from here. Next class, are there any questions? Thank you so much for your association.